We're live on Joy 99.7 FM. This is Ghana Connect. It's uh, dominated the headlines the whole of this week. And even tonight, it's still dominating the headlines because of the fresh charges filed against Aisha Wan. Four of them in total. I'll go through all that pretty much for you if you're just joining us. But listen, this is our, this is about our land. It's about Ghana. Um, and it's a uh, fast, uh, destruction of our environment. The Galamse has been described now as, uh, as the, the people involved as a cartel. Um, and for me, it's, uh, it's mass destruction, really. And we've had this week from doctors at Confanoche, uh, the number of people now developing diseases because of illegal mining and its impact on, on the water bodies there. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Aisha one of course, brought this up and brought this back into the, lime, the limelight and hit the headlines quite strongly. Uh, that whole debacle is still raging on uh, when the president made the following pronouncement this week. I'm not still sure whether she was in fact deported or whether she fled the country the first time and has now come back. But whatever, um, there still seems to be some uh, uncertainty about it. So the president says uncertainty about it. Um, and then, of course, the prosecutors went to court and made the, made, made the pronouncement while well, they pulled before the court that she had sneaked out in 2017 when she was first arrested, sneaked out of the country before... Uh, prosecution, averting prosecution that generated its own set of controversy. What do you make of all that, people? Uh, citizens are connecting tonight to have a conversation on this. And, and connecting with me on Zoom tonight is uh, Ula Sewa. He is a coordinator of Echo Conscious. Uh, Ula Sewa, I believe, is the coordinator of Echo Conscious uh, Citizens, Ghana. Uh, Awula, I guess is, it is. Hello, Awula. Good evening. Hi, Awula Sewa. That that's it, right? That's uh, that's the gun that for. Correct. <laughs> okay, that's great, correct. great. Okay, fantastic. Good Thanks for having me. Uh, great to have you, Awula. Also connecting with us tonight on uh, on Zoom is Daryl. Uh, Daryl is with Arocha Ghana. Hello, Daryl. Hi, Evans. Great to have you. Great to have you, Daryl. It's a pleasure. Yes. Happy to be here. Great. Um, and, and listen, I, I want to get the the Ghanaian Chinese take on what is happening, right? So we're connecting to a few people who lived in China and went back in Ghana. They didn't know how things are done in China by the Chinese. Mm. And then they come back here and then they, they hear what the Chinese are doing to us here. Julius Kwame Anthony is one of them, former Ghanaian student who lived in China uh, and is an activist himself, thankfully. Hello, Julius. Hi. Good evening to you all and your honorable listeners. Great, Julius. Great to have you. Uh, and uh, also connecting tonight is your namesake, Julius. Uh, Julius, Dr. Julius uh, Ja, um, also joins us now, former president of the NUCS uh, China uh, uh, and current vice president of the Ghana student in the diaspora. Uh, Dr. Julius joins us. Hello, Doc. Yeah. Good evening to you all. Apparently, Doc responded on my behalf earlier. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so there's a sort of confusion. No, okay. So, 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 so there's there's uh, Doctor Julius and there's this Julius. Yeah. So oh, I think I think Kwame. Let me just call you Kwame. I mean, I think it's, it nicely uh, differentiates. Um, yeah. So Doctor Julius and then Kwame. Um, yeah. Both of them are Juliuses, and both of them have one thing in common. They they are very, hey, <laughs> they, they they all are they know China 
inside out because he lived there. And so I'll tap into your, into your knowledge on this. Isaac Ohenijan is a Chinese interpreter and a security analyst. He, he worked with the Chinese when they come to Ghana, like he interprets for them. And, and back in China, he worked with the local media as well. Very interesting background. Uh, Isaac, thanks for connecting. Hello, Thank Isaac. Thank you so much. And then uh, good evening to all listeners. Great to have you, Isaac. I, I, I can't wait to hear your thoughts on this. And because you work with the Chinese, you, you help with interp- interpretation when they are here and there as well. Ken uh, Ashibe. Uh, Dr. Ken Ashibe is also connecting uh, with us on phone right now. Uh, Dr. Ashibe, thank you for your time. Thank you very much, Ivan. In fact, let me start with you, uh, Dr. Ken Ashibe, uh, because that's, I want to start with you with the very latest development on this matter with Aisha Wan. I know when she was first arrested, you know, you, you, you led a petition to the Attorney General's office uh, and, and, and complained about the, 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 you know, the kid gloves were treating her with, etc. Uh, as we speak tonight in the last uh, hour, We've learned that the Attorney General is now almost appears throwing the book at her now. Four charges have now been filed against her. She's now been remanded in prison custody to appear in August. Um, I, I wonder what your reaction is to this latest development. Well, uh, thank you very much, Evans. And uh, let me say that um, I spoke to the Attorney General himself. I had called him saying that I wanted to send a copy of the petition that we sent in December 2018 to him. Because you notice that that uh, petition, when we sent it, we copied uh, the chief justice, we copied the president, uh, and all of that. Nobody, you know, had, you know, that was not even to acknowledge receipt of it. And you know that uh, that one, and then the senior minister's infamous rationalization of the Nolly Prosequa where the nails that, you know, the final nails that were driven into the media coalition. And based on that, uh, you know, everybody, you know, seemed with class because it looked as if uh, the leaders themselves did not want to, uh, you know, deal with the issue. Fast forward, the president in 2019 then conceded that it was an error. So we are very happy that for once uh, uh, the attorney general has taken this up. And he's acting on it. And so for me, it is important that the media would throw all the light on it to ensure that we cover this case as, you know, as closely as we can. And disregard her, the, her lawyer, you know, definitely uh, uh, lawyer Grabia that uh, has gotten some money to be made from this. So it is his right to be able to say that it's the media blowing the situation where very soon we'll be importing water uh, when uh, the Confanoche is telling us that now kidney diseases are affecting people lower and then the numbers have gone up uh, that the fact that it would, if you listen to Kimpon Boate, he tells us how much it will cost us to um, uh, have to reclaim lands and all of that. Uh, now that we know that when some of these farmers go to the farm, they actually have to buy pure water to mix agrochemicals to spray their farms. And we have a situation where Japan is, you know, already complaining about our cocoa. The EU is complaining about our cocoa. And, you know, you can see glaring that this is some economic warfare taking place. So I'm happy that this is happening. But it is important that we will train our eyes on it. And it's important that we also get behind those who are in the network of Aishawan. Aishawan is not acting alone. 
there are some very senior connected people who are behind this. And this is where investigative journalism has to come on board to ensure that we can unearth this. And this is the places that we would also expect the um, attorney general and the prosecutors and investigators who are working in there to find out how this lady came back to town, to find out the issues about her money, how connected she is, where her bank accounts are, where does the money go to and all of that. So we can bring all those people who have collaborated with her, you know, since the time of preparing all the issues that have been happening there, and ensure that we can exact the maximum punishment that the, uh, N- the NPP government, uh, in amending the Minerals and Mining Act, have now brought upon. That the president himself is saying that it should happen. But it's not going to happen as a matter of course. If the fourth estate of the realm do not focus attention on, on it and ensure that uh, anything that happens in court, uh, you know, we report it. And then they know that the whole country is really looking into this. And it's important that as we talk about all of this, we also remind ourselves that when the Deputy Minister for uh, Land and Natural Resources, uh, Mr. Duke, uh, Mekuduka, talks about the fact that it's the media brewing, you know, storms in teacups, then it's, it's as if he doesn't understand the things that we're talking about. The fact that this is an existential threat. This is an economic warfare that we're dealing with. And we need to deal with it with all the aggression that we all can command. And, and, and that's uh, a good place to start. And I, I want to focus a bit more on on this Chinese link to this, because this, Aisha, one thing has brought this to the fore. And I want to bring in a few of our connectors tonight who uh, have lived in China and are back in Ghana. And uh, before I do that, I want to share some facts that, um, we pulled up this week on PM Express, which is fascinating indeed. Um, according to the Global Initiative Against Transnational Organized Crime, as of 2017, Ghana attracted 50,000 gold seekers from China alone. 50,000 gold seekers from China alone. And that they also re- uh, re- record that one Galamse Kimpin allegedly employs over 300 Chinese migrants. Um, and if you speak to the small-scale miners associates, they tell you that a real destruction, yes, the Ghanaians, you see them on the ground, the Ghanaians bring them in, but they finance, they actually, um, you know, are, they are the financial muscle behind what we're seeing, the destruction, the numbers are telling. Um, let me bring you in, uh, Dr. Julius uh, Ja. Uh, you, you, you lived in China uh, you're back here uh, in Ghana. In fact, Isaac is also very interesting. He has a very unique perspective on this. Isaac, you first, I guess, because you you, you work with the Chinese. You are interpreter for them when they when they when they come back here. You also work with them back in in China, uh, and you read the details I just shared. The sheer number of Chinese coming into Ghana just to chase after gold. What, what's your reaction to it? Knowing what happens in China, what China will tolerate in China. And what we allow them to do here. Uh, I'm very grateful for, for tonight. Actually, uh, this is the second time we are discussing this issue. The first time it came, I was in the studio. We, we spoke about it. Uh, let's, in China, to me, in China, this is no. This can never happen in China. The reason is, three days ago, I spoke to uh, one Chinese media, media guy. He works in Weibo. Uh, Weibo is one of the biggest Chinese, uh, let me say, uh, media platform. 
we were speaking about, uh, we were just discussing about uh, this particular issue. The way we see it is different from the way we see it. Uh, I'm, I'm also a security person. I don't want to go much into details because there are a lot of big hands that are involved both in and out. And then uh, Aisha is really, really protected. Uh, back in China, things like this can never be tolerated as a foreigner. Even getting inside, whatever you do, example, I used to, when I, I, I started my, my TV program in China, they see me, I, I didn't have a working visa. I worked for three good months. After working for three good months, a Chinese went to report me to the immigration. They picked me up. Everywhere I went, they showed me every video. They took everything from me. I came back to Ghana. Coming back to Ghana, who brought these Chinese people to Ghana? Who gave them the links? Who, which people are we talking about? Our own people, our own Ghanaians. They are the main people behind uh, 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 Aisha. So if we want to talk about Aisha issue, the statistics you gave is more than that. I had wanted to give a figure, but the figure you gave, it's far, far more than that. A Chinese campaign has more than 550 Chinese workers. 550 Chinese workers working in Ghana. They came in through places that I cannot mention online, on, on, on air. So the way we are dragging the matter, the way we are pulling the matter, where we, where we are passing, I think we, we are deviating a little bit. We, are, we, sh- we should look much on the security aspect. Uh, let's forget about that, the subject Aisha. Forget about sub- subject Aisha. Let's go around the whole problem. Security aspect. The whole, do you know the people who went to the court the other day? Do you people know that a Chinese came there? Whom nobody knows who he is? All these are the things that we have to look at. And this matter, some big men outside this country, they, they, they are into this matter. They are looking, they are following the thing very, very, very much. So if, if we are not dipping deeply into this and we focus about maybe as I want be from China, as I want is involved in this, whom we see involved with all these things, yes. When my, 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 my big boss himself, Ken was speaking. He spoke a lot. He said a lot. They are the seniors. But uh, we that I stayed 11 years in China, and I, I typically, a Chinese will not allow you, a foreigner, to just penetrate and then do things that will hurt. They can tell you that, hey, look, if you, don't, if you think you want to destroy this country, go back to your country. That is exactly what they can tell you there. Yeah, and then you say you were bundled out yourself and, and brought back to Ghana. Let me bring in Dr. Julius. Dr. Julius, what's, what's your own take on this? Yeah, so thank you very much and good evening to your listeners. Yeah, so I, I personally agree with our two, the two earlier speakers. Uh, as somebody who spent many years in China, uh, you will basically not be allowed to do what is happening here in China. There are strict rules, whether you are a student or you are a worker, whether you are a student visa or you are a working visa. There are strict rules that govern us during our stay in China. And international, these international conventions on uh, host nations and foreign citizens and countries spell it out clearly. The whilst in those countries, I mean, during our orientation, I remember very well, as our students, 
the very first course you take, you take is law of China. They want you to understand the laws, how the system there works. So in those laws, you are, you, you have, you, they make you get it clear that you are there for the purpose of which you are there. You cannot break the law. And as a student union, as president of Ghanaian students in China, 2018-19, we've had a lot of students who have, who fell short of their laws and they were dealt with. Most of them is deportation. And I've heard the whole issue this week of whether she was deported with the whole definition. In China, you are arrested, placed in jail seven days, one month, three months, and then you are handcuffed and then placed in the flight and taken back home. Uh, wait, wait, wait. So, so when, they, when they put you in a flight, you are in handcuffs? No, whilst you exit. Okay. Right, the security stands there to make sure the flight takes off. So whilst you are entering the flight, you are, you are handcuffed till the flight takes off. It's ready to take off. They come up and then the flight takes off. They make sure the flight takes off before you go. So the whole issue this week of whether she was deported, and I mean, the terminology is a little confused. And I think we can do more for our country based on the reports that are coming from uh, the Confanochi Teaching Hospital. It's very disheartening. And we can't do this in China. And we expect that we also have rules that govern foreigners that come into our country. I mean, Kwame, so you you also lived, spent time in China. But really, what's happening here? Um, the Chinese won't allow you to do that in China. So it's a case of, should we even be blaming the Chinese at all? Should we be blaming uh, ourselves? I mean, this is something that we are doing to ourselves. It's, it's not really about the Chinese. They, they are, you know, advancing their economic, financial interests, is it not, Kwame? <laughs> Uh, well, yes, you are right about that. And I think um, Doc and the earlier speakers laid a clear background for what it is like in China and the clear disparity that is here. But one thing I want to make also fundamentally clear is that China is a surveillance state. It's a policed republic. So every move you make in China is being watched. I think the only time there's an exception is if you're in your bedroom. Even that is in doubt. Because your communication, your, 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 the social media you use, everything is being surveilled by the Chinese Republic. So it is absolutely impossible for you to do anything in China that the Chinese government is not aware of. Every individual is known. Every activity the individual undertakes is known. If you do anything in China which is contrary to the law and you are not caught, then the assumption is that it is not serious to them and they do not want to catch you. They would catch you. So that is the difference between us and them. It would never happen a situation in China where a foreign national who has degraded their, you know, their environment so badly like Aisha Wang will be deported and it will be in doubt where the, the leader of the Chinese government, Xi Jinping, will make utterances such as, such as it is, he's, he's not even sure that he has, she has been deported and whatever. It's almost impossible for that to happen in China. But then let's situate the issues within our context. We do not run a police republic similar to what China does. So we are unable to tell what people are doing at every point in time. But where is the difference? The difference is that in the case of Aisha Wang, we have some way somehow managed to identify the leader of a cartel who is destroying our country, who is not a Ghanaian. So what is the whole point of not prosecuting her long ago or jailing her if she the, the, the need be? What is the whole point? So it goes to, you know, expose the fact that this thing is not about the nationality of the person or the identity of the person. This thing is about 
an innate Ghanaian failure where we are uncon either unconcerned about our environment or we are overly corrupt about the gains we make out of there, you know, doing this illegal mining that we do not care the consequences, whether it is foreigners who come to join us, people the likes of Asha Huang, in whose country you cannot do the things they are doing, come here and destroy our country. The Chinese, anywhere they are, are not even concerned about employing immediately, you know, the, the environment, the, the people of that community. They bring their own people. If you want to look at typical examples, go to the uh, Confucius Institutes they set up across in the world. They do not employ the nationals of the countries they set up those places in. They export their, 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 their own citizens and bring them there. It's the same apparatus they are using even in the mining sector, whether illegally or legally. All the lucrative areas are given to their nationals. So why do we allow them to destroy our country? Why are we tolerating that? It's something we shouldn't tolerate. So the security aspect of this thing should be investigated. The U.S. has raised alarm about China and the use of their Confucius Institute to spy on other countries. In Ghana here, at the University of Ghana, they even name it Confucius Institute at the University of Ghana, not of the University of Ghana, which means it's not part of the university, it's just over there. So whatever they do, the University of Ghana cannot even trace or look into the building and see what they are doing over there. We don't know who they are watching using these apparatus. So see, we must take this thing beyond the mining, we must take it beyond the environmental issues, we must look at the security context of it. There are people who rumor that Aisha Huang is a Chinese spy. Because personally, I do not understand why our senior minister, I mean former senior minister, would have interest in Aisha Huang to the extent of making public utterances that deporting her instead of jailing her here in Ghana is better for us because it has effects on Sinohydro deal. Is, is Aisha Huang a Chinese ambassador? Is she the Chinese ambassador? What relationship does she have with the Chinese government? So all these things must be unraveled. It, it goes to betray the fact that there are big men in and outside of the country who are part of a syndicate with them. And if we want to solve this, we should start from taking out our own people who are involved. Yeah, I mean, and, 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 that, and, and that point I want to bring in, Aula. Aula, this is about us, right? Not really about the Chinese. This problem we are dealing with this is really about us. Well, I mean, as the last speaker has said, I mean, sensible countries have laws and regulations and they ensure that those who break it are dealt with. I'm not sure it's just about China being a civilian state. It's about a country that takes its laws and regulations seriously. And I want to agree with the fact that, yes, Aisha Wang should be dealt with within the full rigors of the law. But we need to look beyond that. Has illegal mining stopped because she's been arrested? Of course not. And we know as a fact that it's going on as we speak. It started even before she came into the country. So we need to get to the bottom of it and follow the money, as has been said, who are benefiting from it. But we know that there are Ghanaians who are also involved in destroying our environment to um, make a, a, a few, for a mess of potties. They just don't care about the environment. So we need to look a bit deeper and not be diverted by the whole Aisha Huang thing. Otherwise, we miss the point. Otherwise, we miss the point. Illegal mining is going on. Our environment is being destroyed. And we need to follow the money. And we need to find out why our processes are not being complied with. And I think we all have a, a, an idea of what is going on. I will, I'm curious. I mean, you, you work with eco-conscious citizens. And in, in you know decades ago, uh, our, our forefathers and grandparents who live in the villages, they were so in touch with nature. And they were so protective of nature. And you think that they, that they, that sort of, you know, heritage 
will simply just just carry on. But now, as we as we see, that's that's so far gone now. Um, in the villages where you know we we used to take it for granted that they, they, the forest would be protected, the river bodies, now no longer so. What has changed? Why why is it that our own people who used to really be protective of the environment, we have all these um, uh, myths and superstition about when to go to the forest, when not to go to the forest, when to fish on the river, when not, because you wanted to give the river a rest. All these things we invented to, to keep the environment in these villages have simply all overnight disappeared and we are destroying it at will. What's happening there? It's difficult to see what's happening. I mean, still in Accra, fishermen don't go to fish on Tuesdays. They don't fish on Tuesdays because, as you have said, you need to give the uh, fish a rest. So we need to look at what is actually happening. Sometimes when the tree is, um, you know, beginning to rot, you don't, from the bottom, you don't see what is happening. But my view is that we have to look at things from the top. What is the political will? Why is it that we've all sat idly by and allowed our environment to be destroyed? And as you rightly said, it's not just um, Aisha Wang. A short while ago, we found out about the women's organizer of the MPP who was involved in, uh, it wasn't illegal mining, mining, but I think they had gone too close to the riverbed. Well, well, she was accused, uh, she denied, I mean, allegedly. She she denied categorically. Allegedly, allegedly. but the point which is not in doubt is that um, what is going on is not limited to foreigners. It's a free-for-all. It's a free-for-all. And I think if we want to stop it, everybody needs to tell the people funding them that stop it. Our rivers will soon be poisoned beyond redemption. And let's do something about it. We have to to call off, um, put a pause on the community mining. We have to put a pause on so many things because we are not monitoring what's going on. And it's not um, uh, 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 scaremongering when we repeat that very soon we'll not be able to, at this rate, will not be able to drink the waters from here. We'll have to import water. Is that what we want to happen before we get a grip on what is taking place? Yeah, I, I think mean, not. I think uh, the time to come as the uh, time for action is now. Is now. I mean, D- Daryl, um, with Arocha, am I right to assume that, Arocha, you, you work with with the communities when it comes to protecting environment, etc.? That's very right. Okay. That's very right. So maybe yes. maybe help me. When you, when you go into these communities... Um, the villages has tried to work with the uh, communities in protecting the environment. What sense do you get? As those traditions that we held so dear, you know, the the myths that we invented, the the superstitions, that that that, that um, attachment to, to nature has it disappeared? And, and what, what? Where did he go? What, what's? Why are we experiencing this? Yes, um, thank you very much. So um, just to give us some perspective, and as you mentioned, what has changed over the years, if you go to a lot of forest reserves across the country, there is evidence to show that in the past, mining activities happened in these forest reserves. And the way and manner it was done, they would dig small wells, go deep down into the ground, bring the gold up, process it, and even try to cover some of these pits. And what we have seen in, in, in these current times is that people are also still interested in gold, but now do not care about what lives on top of the land. They want to clearly get the trees off before they have access to them. 
And if you recall, when Galamse was also getting out of hand and in, in, um, somewhere in 2008 and all of that, we had clear narratives, even from some of our leaders, politicians, also saying that this is a livelihood enterprise, so we should give all of these people a chance. When clearly as a state, we have clear laws on how people can have access to some of these mineral resources. So I think there has also been some deliberate, I would say unconsciously, maybe I should use the word unconscious, um, push by government and the political actors to get people into some of these um, enterprises that are not sustainable, mainly also to push for um, some interests that they have, because a lot of these push you see strongly, they coming up during the election period and all this time. And this is also the time when um, some of these political actors uh, relax some of the rules governing some of these extractive in that so more people can have access. And I think that in trying to ignore and get some votes more for your political expediency, it has really gotten out of hand and become a way of life that we cannot now um, control it. And now we seem to be drowning in it as a state. So I think values have changed. And, and, and even the political narrative now is also looking at securing and sustainability of the environment. They seem to be more focused on extractive. I recall very recently uh, our Minister of Lands, which is supposed to be ensuring that our lands are protected, use of the land is sustainable, was on another platform talking about the fact that um, Ghana is now having or exploring 500 new exploration activities for minerals and he was so excited about it. I see all that matters for Ghana now is extraction. We are forgetting that the same land is where our water comes from, where our food comes from, and this is where our medicine comes from. And you can see that it is also affecting even our cash crop and, and, and the value we are getting from all of that. So I think the narrative is, is, is um, can be linked to the changing interest and also commitment of our states agencies, in terms, particularly government, I wouldn't say the state because if we look at institutions like the, the, the Forestry Commission, they are still committed to their mandate, but there's still a lot of interference from the political um, government in terms of what they should pursue, what they should not pursue. And even you also talk about later, uh, recent times, also granting a lot of prospecting licenses in forests, which didn't used to be the case. So I think it's also the changing narrative and values that our politicians are making the, 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 the children or the youth of today see as relevant. If we thought about a green pathway for development, the country would also rally behind that. But at the moment, the value we are, we are sending out is that the extractive is the way to go. Government finance mechanism of budget is also supporting that. And that is why I think that we have more of these issues escalating now than before. Okay, I want to uh, bring in as I wrap up now, um, Ken Ashibe. Mr. Ashibe, so clearly something must change. Uh, we went on this fight in the early years of 2017, the media coalition, we all came together. For you now, what do you think must change? to really get some real results this time around? Well, I think it's about uh, calling spades uh, what they are, you know. And uh, so when I hear a lot of our people talk about the fact that it's not a Chinese thing, it's one of the, it's one of the errors we make. Empirical evidence shows that, yes, there are some foreigners in it, but the Chinese influence is, 
is really a lot. Uh, not only are they, you know, coming in and doing it, they're recruiting a lot of the people and they are responsible. So we need to actually focus on that tangent and deal with that Chinese, uh, you know, effect. We also definitely, uh, um, the, the critical thing in all of this is that we have all the laws. We have all the policies and everything. Uh, our, our leaders need to just execute what it is that they, they say they're doing. There should be a lot more transparency, you know. So, I, you know, the whole conversation about community mining, you know, it's not transparent. Who are the people who are in it? Is it actually the community or so? It's just interest who are involved in it. And I think finally... Journalists, we need to continue this fight, but we need to move away from where it was just you and I talking a lot more about it into a lot more investigative journalism. So for multimedia, for example, you need to equip Erastus with a lot more, you know, of the things that would allow him to be able to do that. Other media houses need to do that. We need a lot more investigation. Let's track the money. Let's follow the money. So that we can get evidence that we can put out. And then I want to trust this attorney general who says he will prosecute once the evidence is there. So that has to be done. And then also a lot of our middle class, you know, instead of sitting in your corners and your your uh, school WhatsApp pages and talking about it, we should all be seen to be doing something about it. Let's support the media to follow it because we've seen that, you know, the other three estates of the realm really have not done what it is that they ought to do. Let's support the media with resources to be able to actually investigate and go after this. But we all should be committed about this. When the mercury gets into the fish in anywhere and you come to Accra and you buy it and you, you eat it, those heavy metals, they don't decompose. So we are all at risk. And so we all should be concerned about this existential threat. And we all should be doing something about it. I'm grateful, uh, Ken Ashibe. I want to give uh, tw- uh, 20 seconds each to all my other connectors. What must change? Uh, I will, uh, let me start with you. 20 seconds, what must change? Hello, Awola. Stop granting the prospective licenses to for people to go and mine in forest reserves and have take a grip. And uh, that's it. Have a grip and be serious about ending illegal mining. Because okay. at the moment, we are not particularly serious. Okay. Darrell, what, what must change? I would say that let's take out the interest of our elite class in the communities and also at the district level and listen to the voices of the people. The district, com- district mining committee should involve civil society. You should listen to the people more. And even at the national level there, the interministerial committee of, or whatever they've set up now should also ensure that there is some neutral voices in all of that. Unless we listen to the people and ensure that their rights are respected, we'll keep allowing the interests of the late override all of that. And that is very dangerous for mm-hmm. the fight against Galamse. Kwame, 20 seconds. One more yeah, I, 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 I think all that must change is that let's chase our own people. Our own people are the ones who lead the Chinese here. They are the ones who lead the foreigners here. They, they know the communities. They link them to, to those who are in authority who could shield and protect them. So the media should chase our own people who okay. are involved. Our politicians should be traced so and let's, publicly So let's focus, focus on ourselves. Uh, Isaac? Yeah. Hello, Isaac. Okay, uh, Dr. Julius? 
Yeah, so I want to wrap up by saying that it's time for us to be citizens and not spectators. I think that this whole thing has to depend on us. We are citizens. If there is a mess here, the Chinese will go back to their country and we will be stuck with the mess here. So it's time for us to stand up as citizens and fight this menace. The Chinese don't depend on most of the things we produce here. They import their stuff. And so whatever is happening here, they, they don't really care much about them. Their food crops are not their staple plants. The import what they have. So we need to be citizens. We need to stand up for our environment. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, Papa, what are people big saying? Papa? Great. So we have some we have some messages uh, from some of our connectors um, from the diaspora. And this one here says that the president's answer that he was not sure of Aisha Wan was deported clearly showed that um, his various appointees have been feeding him with wrong information, which always makes him believe things uh, as w- uh, very rosy as it thinks. And this is from Sami um, in Kumasi. Now, uh, there's a message from Nene um, all the way from UK, and he says that uh, Brother Nuete, uh, which I believe that is referring to Evans, yeah. uh, you have become too British, you can't even pronounce Awula. Uh, <laughs> he says well, you are struggling to pronounce Awula um, earlier. Now, this is from Osoja in Kumasi. It says, Nathaniel uh, is looking at me like something. <laughs> I saw the name. The, the person who wrote the name, I can't see the handwriting. Awula. Uh, yeah, Awula. Yeah, it has to come in, guys. It's a guy. Sacrilege. Awula, Awula. Sacrilege. Awula. Uh, but everyone's old soldier from Kumasi says, well, to your question about our traditions mm-hmm. um, and the forest, the gods stop biting. That's why. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's an interesting <laughs> one, yes. Uh, people would not dare do all this if they were still punishing people like they used to. Uh, this one from Upper Tujimano from Volta region says, the Chinese are not doing this by themselves. No one will leave their country and come here and do this. Someone must be inviting them and others must be, must be sharing the good news. Okay. Uh, thank you very much, Oblan. Oblanum <laughs> Papani. Um, so that, that, that's uh, Ghana Connect tonight. And guess what? Up next is the man, Nathaniel Titi Ato, with Qatari Quest Quiz. The 2022 World Cup begins in no time. And Multimedia Group Limited is championing a unique support wave across the world for the Black Stars. Come Qatar 2022, the nation will be one rallying behind the Black Stars with one cheer song. You've been here uh, long enough to know, you know, the origins of this particular, you know. <laughs> you know, and uh, something interesting is also coming up uh, on our networks, especially on television and on social media. And that will be called the Joy Sports uh, World Cup Tales. Okay. Interesting 30-minute uh, crisp conversations with the men who were in the center of the execution of our participation in the past three World Cups. Interesting. And it's going to be very, very interesting. So... The origin of this particular one mm-hmm. and how swiftly it was composed will amaze you. And mm. that interview will be coming up 
uh, you know, sometime soon. You have to watch out for it. Mm. But Evans, um, you know, uh, let me pop a question to you and see if you can. Let's go. <laughs> Which one was your very first experience at the FIFA World Cup, though? First experience. That's the, 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 the one you remember one from childhood. 19... 1998. 1998? Yeah. That's so late, man. Yeah, 98. Yeah, yeah. 1998? I, I told you this the last time. I mean, I, the rest, I don't remember because we didn't have television. I possibly will hear go wondering what was happening. What know? was Lillian Thuram's jersey number? Lillian uh, Thuram played for France. France. Yes, yes, I remember Thuram. Was it? Um, Thuram was a defender, was he? Lillian Thuram. Yeah, was a defender, was he not? This is too much of a clue, Evans. Oh, yeah, I know Thuram was, was a defender, either defender or a midfielder. He must, have, he, must, he, must, he must have won number seven. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was going to give you a full bottle of Desai. I was going to reward you with a bottle of Exo. Oh, but let me, mention the, let me mention the 12. Check. The, the 11 on the pitch. Oh, I can go through. Fabian Bates. Uh-huh. <laughs> is and i'm glad to be in your company one more time as we bring you another edition of the qatari quest quiz right here on joy 99.7 fm my name is nathaniel atta and i'm your quiz master we're entering quiz night two of what is the most exciting fifa world cup quiz you can find anywhere in the world greetings to all of our friends who are joining us via the live stream on youtube uh in different places around the world this is it you just need to have your fifa world cup facts at your fingertips when you are in deep sleep and you're woken up, you just need to answer the questions just like they are. And the rewards are going to be massive. Remember, we're building up to a big final on November 11. Yes, that will be the day when we get to determine who the real champion will be. And that will be the day when we, reta- uh, we get to determine who picks up the massive prize, which we will be announcing as we go along. This is proudly produced by the Joy Sports team. Thank you very much for joining us. We go into the introductions and the rules of engagement for round number one very, very shortly. Thanks to the whole strong production team, my technical team as well, who are ensuring that we adhere to all of the rules and the regulations. My score master, my timekeeper, and everybody else. Thank you very much for joining us, and good evening. Welcome to... Uh, Quiz night two of the Qatari Quest Quiz on the FIFA World Cup as we build up to Qatar 2022 right here on Joy 99.7 FM. My name is Nathaniel Atto. I'm your quiz master. Welcome once again. And of course, just before we go for the introduction of our contestants, these are the general rules of the Qatari Quest Quiz here on Joy 99.7 FM.
Round number one is a general round and has general questions on the FIFA World Cup. Each contestant will answer eight questions. Round number two, questions are on selected World Cup winners. Selected past World Cup winning nations. Also, contestants will uh, ballot for which winning nation they'll answer questions on. Each contestant will answer a minimum of four questions. In round three, questions are in a riddle format or a true or false format. Contestants will answer three questions each. And then the very big one itself, the booster round. Round number four. It is a scenario-based question with a relatively high level of difficulty. Yours truly, your quiz master, my good self, by discretion can give more time for the contestants to answer the question. The first contestants to answer correctly will earn 10 points. And of course, each correct answer carries three points. Bonus answers carry one point. Every contestant has 10 seconds to answer a major question. And when the 10 seconds elapses, any of the other two contestants can save the answer if they have it. Well, contestants have five seconds to save the answer for a bonus point. So these are the rules of engagement. And I'm glad to welcome you to tonight is uh, competition night number two. And I'm so excited to welcome uh, the following gentlemen here to the studio. Looks like everybody's cool and calm tonight. Well, I do realize that there's no traffic around here. So, you know, everybody's just cool and calm. Gentlemen, welcome, welcome, welcome. Hey, I can't hear you. <laughs> How are you doing? Good? You're good? good? Okay, lower the mic. Lower the mic. Not bad. Not bad at all. Okay. Let's begin with the introductions and, you know, a little bit about yourself so that we can roll straight into, uh, you know, round number one. Let's begin from here, as I always do. All right. So, um, I'm Lord. Lord. Okay. Lord Kwansa. Nice one. I'm a software engineer and a sports enthusiast. Okay. An enthusiast. Okay. Lord the enthusiast. (laughs) I like your Adidas uh, cap and your sunglasses. I'm wondering why the sunglasses though. (laughs) (laughs) Lord the enthusiast. uh, He is the man who's coming in here to do battle. Tonight, uh, all of the IT software engineering business is put on the side and we're talking FIFA World Cup business. Thank you very much. Welcome, Lord. Are we going to put our hands together for him or something? Are we putting our hands together for him or something? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's hear it for the man. Lord, Lord the Enthusiast. Let's go over to you. How are you doing? Uh, I'm fed as a fedder. I'm Ruben Addo. Ruben. Lord and Ruben. Okay. Ruben Addo. Ruben, how are you doing? What do you do? Uh, tell us a bit about you. Uh, I'm a football aficionado. Ah, football <laughs> aficionado. Very, very well. So we have the enthusiast, the aficionado, 